Thanks for tuning in to JR's Hunt for Life Suicide Prevention Podcast, Safe Talk, with Jenny Hunter and Billy Floyd, where there are no judgments and talk saves lives. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us. It is time for another episode of Safe Talk. It is Billy Floyd. It is Jenny Hunter. We are bringing the energy and the facts today, per usual. Jenny, how's it hanging over there? It's great, Billy. We're having some better weather today. The sun's shining. It's still chilly, but, you know, it's winter. And, you know, winter in Wyoming, right? (laughs) Winter in Wyoming. Sounds like a time to be alive. It is windy. It is frigid. It is typical (laughs) trench season weather. Keep enjoying it, Jenny. We're almost (laughs) at spring, and then with summer, we'll, oh, man, we'll just be having a ton of great fun. But no matter what, we find a way to have a great time. And we're going to do that right here on this episode of Safe Talk. Jenny and I have been talking a lot about understanding the causes of suicide. Jenny, you've done a standout job with everything we've been talking about, everything we've been discussing, and we might finish up the discussion here on this episode. We might do one more episode on this topic after this episode. We will see what goes down. But before we tap in fully, Of course, we want to let you know that we want you to be a part of this podcast, a part of this conversation in any possible way. So if you want to ask us a question, if you want to chime in with anything off the top of your head, please know that you can contact me directly at any time if you want to be a part of this. So my email is williampeariedfloyd214 at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all social media platforms with the handle at OneBillyFloyd. And if you want to reach out, I'm right here for you. So go for it. Let me know if you want to talk. And, Jenny, I know that you're available for everybody, too. So where can they find you? Right, Billy. Well, on most social media platforms, we are at JR's Haunt for Life. Um, We have our support page on Facebook. We have our um, website. We have our nonprofit information out there. Wherever we are, it's JR's Hunt for Life. And my personal email is jlh35 at hotmail.com. So anybody, anytime can reach out. And we're all about helping each other and supporting each other. And um, suicide prevention is about keeping people alive. Beautiful. Jenny, thank you for always sharing. And with that being said, we are going to hop into this episode. We're talking understanding the causes of suicide. And so far, we've talked about disorders and mental health conditions such as depression, bipolar disorder, psychosis, stress just to name a few. Um, We've also hit some stressors and risk factors, including discrimination, bullying, access to lethal means, financial strain, bereavement, and now we have 
about four more topics to discuss. Jenny, we might finish up here. We might have one more episode, but I know that you want to talk about chronic pain to lead things off here, but if you want to bring up any past conversation points, go for it, or just start with chronic pain, whatever you want to do. Thank you so much, Billy. Um, So I think we are going to start with chronic pain. And I have some research here that indicates that higher rates of suicidal behavior in people that have chronic pain was discovered. And I, I, I want to spend a minute on this chronic pain because I have a friend whom I had worked with, an um, older woman whom I had worked with, and I knew that her husband had, <clears throat> excuse me, died of suicide, but I did not know the reason, and I don't like to delve into it. At that point, I was fairly young, and uh, I wasn't quite sure what to say to her about that. So um, as the years went by, we continued to be friends, and she eventually confided in me that her husband had uh, a work accident and it was traumatic and he had chronic pain after that. He had to retire. He was on disability, um, just pain, just pain all of the time. And he took his life because of the pain because he did not see any way to get better or get out of the pain. He was tired of it. He he wanted to be free of that pain, sadly. Um, and then um, as a result of that, we've talked about this topic before, that if someone in your fam- immediate family takes their life by suicide, other family members are at a higher risk to die of suicide. And uh, as a result of that, one of his sons did take his life also. So it was a very, very, very heart-rendering story. Uh, but I am... Um, cognizant of the fact that there are people out there with chronic pain. There's many people uh, on our support page in Facebook that have chronic pain that often have suicide ideation. So um, that that happens to be 20% of people that have chronic pain have suicide ideation. And that's, that's, that's quite a high percentage, I believe. Um, so, why? Why, other than just the chronic pain, why would someone um, want to end their life? And so chronic pain means you're living in a physical and a psychological state that you can't control. There there seems to be a hopelessness to it. Um, you're thinking about it constantly because you're feeling constantly. You're feeling the pain constantly. And it's very easy to fall into <clears throat> an unhealthy mental attitude and an emotional spot when you're dealing with that pain day in and day out. And I'm so sorry. I don't know what's going on with my throat. Anyway, (laughs) I'm going to keep talking. That's not going to stop. (laughs) Um, But you can take treatments. Um, You can take uh, painkillers, which is another comorbidity that is added to the pain because now you've got – You've got narcotics on board. And, you know, with narcotics, you frankly can't think straight. You, Your mental attitude changes. You're not thinking clearly. Uh, I know they can be controlled to uh, by physicians to help you with your pain, but it still changes your mental state. Um, people with MS or breast cancer 
um, say the same thing, that the treatments, the pain, the treatments, and the burden you feel that you're putting on people to take care of you, um, that some days you just you want to give up because you, you don't like that burden, that feeling that you're a burden to people. You don't like the pain. You don't like your mental, where you are in your thoughts. Um, and having suicidal thoughts is not a rare thing with someone with chronic pain. Chronic pain, I'm talking about every day of your life. You, you can't see a way out of it. Um, you, you're just, you're stuck with it. And, um, it's, it's just, it's, it's just a horrible feeling, that hopelessness. Um, now some of the conditions associated with that chronic pain are, um, back pain, um, cancer, arthritis, um, many people have the comorbidity of different types of pain in their body, and these are the people that um, in the studies indicated they had suicide thoughts. These were the highest um, incidence of pain, the back pain, the cancer, the arthritis. I know people that have arthritis that are in extreme pain all of the time. We had a neighbor that she could not stand up and she lived by herself. So she had to crawl around her house and it's just so sad. And so you want to help them so bad, but it's out of your hands and it's, it's, they lose hope. These people lose hope. And I want to stress that these statistics are only statistics that, that um, have been um, documented because they've been uh, volunteered from people. Um, they're probably unrepresentative of the true percentage of suicide deaths from chronic pain um, because of the data, because we don't have uh, all the data, 100% of the data, and we've talked about that before, Billy, in these studies um, that the data is all all you can go by, <clears throat> and it's only those that volunteer that data. Um, also, people that are at increased risk of suicide behaviors are um, people with fibromyalgia, and I do know people with that. And oh my gosh, that is so debilitating, and it's so heart-wrenching when you have a friend that you cannot help. Um, you can't talk them through it. You can't, there, there's just no relief at all um, with that pain. And um, there was a study that suggested that chronic pain and opioids, which I referred to, that are used to treat the uh, chronic pain may be the key driver of the rising deaths, the suicide deaths. So the opioid epidemic, um, has is being addressed in the country a little more than it ever has been and they're trying to deal with that in different fashions as far as um, prescribing opioids and narcotics for pain so there again is another comorbidity of the pain and the suicide thoughts etc and so i want to tell you that i found that a hundred million american adults live with chronic pain that's every day and there are so there's so little hard data um, as far as the chronic pain driving the suicide um, but the data that we do have indicates again 20 percent of those people um, have thought about suicide um, 
the actual uh, inferences of the data um, indicate that um, the suicide rate among uh, those with chronic pain is thought to be roughly twice that of people without chronic pain. So that's 50%. So chronic pain is, is a concern and um, it is very little documented um, regarding the chronic pain and the suicide. Of course, if you're aware that person is in chronic pain and they have ended their life, then you can infer that. Um, but if it's not documented, it's not added um, to this data and these statistics. But, you know, unless they leave a suicide note, it's impossible to tell that if they overdosed on their meds that it's accidentally or if it's on purpose. It's just you you cannot, you do not know. So it's it's chronic pain is horrible. I, I can't I don't have chronic pain. I have had pain <clears throat> regular pain if you want to call it that. But I can't imagine being in chronic pain. It just it it is it's it's something that changes your life. Just like the loss of someone uh, to suicide changes your life. The chronic pain, I imagine, would totally, totally change your life. Have you, Billy, ever known of anyone that has chronic pain? Yeah, I, I definitely know someone who has chronic pain. Um, that is just very, very clear to me. Um, and I do everything I can to make sure that he knows that I'm there and I'm always going to be there. And there's never going to be a time where you can't connect with me. You can't reach out. You can't talk with me because I don't know what it's like to have chronic pain, but I can understand that it's horrible and it could be damaging and completely life-threatening. And the last thing I ever want to see is, somebody lose their life or lose anything they're working towards when I know that they're the most talented and special individual. So when you're around and you see anybody with chronic pain, you have to be that person to be yes. there for them. And mm -hmm. you can't put yourself in their shoes because, again, you don't know what it feels like but you just know that they're struggling and we've all struggled. I struggle every day. Everybody I know mm -hmm. struggles all the time with mental mm -hmm. health, with believing in themselves, with making money, with making their dreams come true. We all struggle. So we all knows what it, we all know what it feels like to have pain and feel pain, but that chronic next level pain where it's like really, debilitating someone like you got to know that that level of intensity is so high so if you're going to be there for yourself and other people who are dealing with certain things you got to be there for that person or those people who are dealing with it at a 10 20 30 times higher level so I do know someone who's going through that and whatever I can do to help I'm always going to be there and that's something special to me, and I know that it should be special to everybody because we just want to yeah. change and mm -hmm. save lives. Sure, people know that we're there for them, even when they think like no one's there. You know, right, right. 
Um, I, I totally get that. I do know that even when I have a little pain, uh, I, I can't even imagine having that every day, 24-7. I can't even imagine it. So I, I do have uh, some sort of empathy for these people, and I have watched people with chronic pain um, try to live their life, and it's, it, it's just uh, sadly so, so untouchable for us that are trying to help. But we can be there for them. We can <clears throat> let them know that we're there to help them if they're, you know, trying to do something difficult and they can't get it done or whatever physically. Um, mentally, we can be there to support them. So, yeah, I agree that we do, all of us need to be there for, for these people. Um, and all of these things that we've talked about, and this happens, we're talking chronic pain right now. So should I move on to the next one, Billy, or should we take a break first? Let's do a quick commercial break. Let's get a nice little word in from our local sponsors. We're going to chime in with them real quick, and then we're going to come right back. Okay, everybody, we are now back. This is the program. This is Safe Talk. Thank you to our local sponsors for the quick word. It's now time to move on with this discussion. We just broke down chronic pain and how crucial it is to be there for those who are suffering. We want to make sure that everybody is on that right path towards recovery, getting better, feeling good, looking good, playing good, and just doing life the way we want to do it. So, Jenny, is there anything else you want to add when we talk about chronic pain, or should we move on here? Um, I think let's move on to domestic violence. Is that okay with you? Let's do it. Okay, so domestic violence is another indicator of suicide ideations. And um, let me say that I have many, many years of probably almost 20 years in with doing first responder uh, work with victims. Much of that is domestic violence, men and women and children. Anyone can fall into that role of being a victim of domestic violence. And there have been studies on this, um, domestic violence survivors uh, being at a higher risk for suicide. Actually, um, it's around 23% of these survivors have um, suicide ideation and thoughts and attempts. And some of them actually um, do die by suicide because when you are in a domestic violence, when you're in a, a situation where you're living with someone, it has to be that you are living with someone. That's domestic violence. Um, that you have built your home, your things are there, your people are there, everything is there. And when you experience domestic violence, everything is upset. Everything goes awry. You don't you don't know what's going to happen many times. Um, when I'm there, someone goes to jail um, because someone has assaulted someone. And um, the, your world is just turned upside down 
with this domestic violence as well as children that may be there. So um, it does increase the risk of suicide, um, but the survivors may also uh, face other things that put them at risk, like they may have to move out of the house. They don't have anywhere to go. They don't have any money. Um, they don't have education. They don't have a job. Um, maybe they're older people. Um, maybe they're married. Maybe they're not married. And there's all kinds of things that play into this domestic violence um, when we're when we're talking about this happening in the home. Um, so that increases there again. That increases the risk. Um, because of all of these things that, uh, you know, are surrounding them and whirling around them. They've just been assaulted or they've just assaulted someone. I'm not saying just the victim um, thinks about suicide, but it's the person who may have assaulted the victim. Um, They're going to jail, and we have talked about when people are incarcerated, they're um, um, thoughts of suicide increase also. So everything that swirls around this domestic violence makes it kind of complicated, uh, makes it to the point where you're you're not going to understand everything that's going on. I mean, we don't know what goes on in a person's home. We do not know. Um, you're under your own roof. Um, we're hoping and we, you know, we don't really think about that until we're in a position that I am where we have to go visit those people at the time this has happened to them and we have to make sure that they're in a safe place and all of those things. So um, very often I've been at a domestic violence scene where there are firearms, uh, where there are other weapons that have been threatened to be used. Um, and sometimes there are um, an actual death by suicide at these domestic violence scenes because um, a person, um, let's say, has assaulted their partner and now they feel extremely bad and bad enough to want to die. So all these things are very fluid, they're volatile. We see all the time of officers that go to domestic violence scenes that are shot um, when they're trying to enter the um, building or the residence. Uh, so these are very volatile um, incidents and they're all different. They're all different. There might be children there. There may not be children there. There may be pets there. And the pets, believe it or not, um, can cause some problems when um, people are there trying to help with the domestic violence situation. And pets at some point we're going to talk about too as far as suicide uh, prevention. Pets have been known to um, keep people alive when a person um, loves their pet and they're like a family member. I know I might be getting off here a little bit on this, but but it's true. Pets can add uh, the good and the bad when you're at a scene like this. So um, domestic violence is um, something that, especially a female um, with a husband, um, feels like she may be trapped. She was just assaulted, but she's still trapped because 
She doesn't have anywhere to go. She has no money. Um, she's been in a controlling situation, um, and she doesn't know how to leave that person. She doesn't want to leave that person. It's called victimization. It's a cycle of victimization, and um, that is so very hard to deal with, Billy. It is so very hard um, because even though you've been uh, victimized or um, mentally or physically assaulted or whatever the case, you still love that person. You love that person that did that to you. And that person may love you also. I, I, I mean, I've heard all sides of it, men and women. So uh, it's just a very, very evolving. It evolves very quickly when you're there and you're trying to um, set this up so that everyone is safe and that the person who did the assault uh, is going to go to jail for the time being. And then you have the person that was assaulted worrying about when the person's going to get out of jail, are they going to be so mad that they're going to come and beat them again or kill them or whatever the case. So um, it's just very difficult to talk about other than the statistics being so high with um, people that are involved in domestic violence. And not only that, um, these people behave recklessly um, when they're in that situation. And also if they're angry when they get out of jail, they're going to behave recklessly also. Some of them don't. Some of them are repentant to a point. Um, But these people can't sleep. They don't eat. They isolate. And that all adds to the high risk that they are in now that they've been in that domestic violence uh, situation. So domestic violence um, is, it's not always between uh, partners. It can be a child with a parent. Um, That happens quite a bit too. Um, It can be uh, that it's a whole family living together, grandparents, aunts and uncles. We just had um, domestic violence here where uh, the one of the relatives uh, actually uh, uh, murdered the older man and attempted to murder the older woman. They were married, the man and the woman. The woman has survived to this point. But um, domestic violence is, like I said, very volatile very fluid, very misunderstood because there's so many sides to it. It's like a kaleidoscope and you look through that kaleidoscope and you don't know what to expect. You you just don't know what to expect. It's in so many different fragments, so many different people. And um, it's all you can do is pray for the best outcome and hope them the best, help them the best you can. Um, they, many domestic uh, survivors and perpetrators describe hopelessness and helplessness accompany this violence and it's part of it and it might be one of the driving forces behind it. So um, there's support groups out there for domestic survivors. There's all kinds of counseling and therapy and I know the people that I deal with when I'm um, with law enforcement, they can't afford to go somewhere to pay a therapist or counselor, but there are survivor groups in communities that will not charge. Um, And I want to encourage anyone out there that is a survivor of domestic violence um, 
to uh, seek out those survivor groups and be around people that are like-minded that this has happened to them. And you can get ideas and support and feel safe um, when you build that social bond with these people and these survivors in these groups. Um, and you will actually then um, kind of feel like an accountability, like they know your story, you know their story. So they're not going to allow you to put yourself in danger again, and there's that accountability, and that's always good. Um, being held accountable for something is always good, I think. What do you think, Billy? Yeah, I completely agree. You know, when you look at situations that could be tough, you know, you look at situations that you never thought could happen, you always have to understand, like, you have to be able to bounce back and you have to be able to push through. And it's easier said than done. It's easier said than done to go through anything hard. And, you know, domestic violence is an extremely touchy subject and it's wildly unfortunate. And it still blows my mind to this day how anything along those lines could ever take place. Like what could be such a big deal that you'd have to get into a physical altercation about. I mean, really, what is that critical? What is that bad? Really, is it that terrible? Some people just can't control it. Some people just don't know how to react, and they just go to the most violent thought they could possibly go through, and that's to, you know, take action in a negative way. And it, it really pains me to talk about. It pains me to think about because – it's just something that has never been in my life. It will never be a part of my life. That I'd never even really think about it or talk about it too much because it just seems like it could just never, ever happen. Everything about it makes zero sense. And, you know, if you know yeah. someone who's through that, you know, you got to just, like we said with people who go through chronic pain, just be that person they can trust and be that person that they can talk to. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've been having, conversations recently with good friends of mine you know I call them brothers and sisters family members but we're not blood related just close people and we talk about how you know we don't judge anybody no matter what is going on we're not going to judge anybody the only time we have a problem one is when they're actively like putting other people down or making a situation terrible and just being mean and and not classy and nasty that's when I don't want to say I'm judging them, but that's the only time where I'm like, all right, I just, I don't even want to see this. I do not with it. I can't stand for this. But other than that, if someone's trying their best, if someone's struggling, if someone's failing, if someone's losing, if someone, whatever, there is just zero judgment. So we want to continue to push that message across this platform. If you've been in a, a domestic violence situation, if you've gone through chronic pain, if there's a financial issue, if you're being bullied, if there's discrimination, no matter what it is, like, just don't be embarrassed. I know it could be really, really dark, and you might think, like, oh, my my friends or my brother or my sister or my mom, they might think I'm weak. They might think I'm a loser. I'm getting bullied. Oh, I, I keep getting beat up. I keep losing. I don't have money. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like if you can just accept that this is part of life, there's people who can help me. Let's push that embarrassment to the side and just be all in on getting the right help 
maybe it's uncomfortable. You have to talk about this with someone at first. Maybe you feel mm-hmm. in your head, God, these people think I'm weak. They think I'm an idiot. But, like, no one that really cares about you is going to think that. They're just going to listen to you, talk with you, and help you out of this. And then eventually, after that awkward stage of opening up the conversation and moving on with this, things mm-hmm. will just get better and better. That's just how everything goes. And this is very relatable to all areas in life. If you want to take that next step, if you want to break through, if you want to make something happen, whether it's getting the right mental help, whether it's bettering your career, finding the next, you know, great relationship, like every new experience is going to suck at first. And it's going to be awkward and it's going to be, you know, really, really tough. But if you just smash the brick wall down, get hurt a little bit, feel weird, eventually mm-hmm. things will pan turn for the better. So that's yeah. what really comes down to. And, you know, this is just another great episode here, Jenny. I'm very grateful for this discussion. We've really gone off. I appreciate you giving me the chance to answer a couple questions here. I love going off when I can. And before <laughs> we before we sign off, um, I know next time we have two more topics to discuss. We're not going to get to them today. So before we sign off, Jenny, anything you want to leave the people with? Well, you know, there are a couple things, and I don't want to go back heavily into this domestic violence thing, but I do want to add that many, many, many times there may be alcohol or drugs or um, cheating involved in the relationship, and it it appears that a lot of domestic violence does happen during, uh, let's say, like when there's a big Super Bowl and there's people are drinking and carrying on, and there are statistics on that too, believe it or not. Um, however, if you find yourself in a situation where you're, uh, you've had some other elements come into your relationship, such as the alcohol or drugs or whatever it may be, um, just step back and try to keep yourself safe as well as the other person. Um, I know in our small town here, we have had murder suicides, which uh, are rare and thank God few and far between, but they do happen. They do happen. So I want to encourage everyone out there to get yourself safe, no matter who you are, what your position in the household is, get yourself safe because they are these situations are so volatile we're here to save lives um, from suicide or otherwise Um, and we if you need to contact us contact your uh, someone in your city some support group i'm going to reiterate get in a group you don't have to wait until there's been violence in the home get in a group now if you're in a position where you kind of are fearful or wondering what's going on get yourself somewhere where you can talk to people like billy said get it out talk about it be rational when you're rational not when you've been um, imbibing other substances and there's no judgments there at all uh, but get yourself in a safe place and understand that there are people that are willing to listen and be non-judgmental and even research and get you the help that you need. And that's what we're here for. That's what we're all about. JR is Not For Life is about suicide prevention and keeping people alive. Right, Billy? Keeping them alive. Keeping them thriving. Yes. This yes. is 
going to be a great life, and we're going to help people live it, and we're going to live it ourselves as well. Jenny, thank you so much again for the wisdom, nothing but facts, the straight-up truth, what people need to hear. Everybody on the other line, thank you so much for tuning in. We always appreciate your support and all of your kind love, so stay tuned. we got much more coming your way. Jenny, everybody at home, we'll see you next time. Thank you, Billy, and goodbye, everyone. You've been listening to JR's Hunt for Life Suicide Prevention Podcast Safe Talk with Jenny Hunter and Billy Floyd, where there are no judgments and talk saves lives. Jenny Hunter is the founder of JR's Hunt for Life, a suicide prevention nonprofit movement offering hope and support globally. I'm Billy Floyd. I'm a podcast host, a media broadcaster, and most importantly, a positive influencer. Sounds of Soul Music is courtesy of Fearless Motivation. Find out more about JR's Hunt for Life at jrshuntforlife.org.